This is Lifetime Sentence, the podcast where we watch bad Lifetime original movies and compare them to the truly heinous stories that inspired them. Because sometimes the truth really is stranger than fiction. So how's it going? It's going good. How are you? I am so good. If like there, if I got any better, there'd have to be two of me. Oh, that's so good. Last night, Dr. Sarah graduated. Yes, she did. We're so proud. And today was her like graduation party for our families. So this was like her fellowship or? Residency. Residency. Okay. Yeah. So her residency was four years, whereas most Mm -hmm. programs, like if she'd just done internal medicine, that would have been three years. And if she'd Mm -hmm. just done pediatrics, that's three years. But her program combines them both into four years and she comes Mm -hmm. out double board certified in both. Excellent. Good. Dr. Sarah, our overachiever. Yes, yes, every day. We're so proud, though. Um, that is so amazing. Also, her shoes. I'm t- she's got to start a shoestagram. I told her that. And she was like, I don't even know what the hell that is. And I was like, well, first, you'd have to understand what Instagram is. <laughs> and she's like, you post pictures on that. And I'm like, yes, yes, I do. Congratulations. <laughs> Yay. Social media now is hard got, for her. Now she's triple board certified. Yes. Pediatrics, internal medicine, and Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, so last night, you know, I told you those were her Louboutins that yeah. I snagged her in New York. Mm-hmm. And so um, she kept saying they were comfortable. She's like, they're for, for very high heels, they are very comfortable. Mm-hmm. But by the end of the night, she was like, I really don't want to walk back across downtown in these. So she was like, I regret everything. <laughs> so head. she pulled off her heels and I gave her my shoes that I was wearing. And I walked barefoot holding her heels through downtown Shreveport. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's the husband's job. I'm pretty so, sure that's in the job description. So don't let anybody ever tell you I don't sacrifice for this relationship. <laughs> medical school carrying shoes it's all exactly i'm glad you get me mm-hmm. i've always needed someone like you in my life yeah okay so this week are we ready to jump in i'm sorry um, well first of I all watched... nobody knows who we are oh crap. so hi i'm paul I'm Erin. And this is Lifetime Sentence. It is. And we talk about shitty movies and shitty cases. So yep. if you're just hopping in, welcome. <laughs> um, This week, I watched Abducted, the Jocelyn Shaker story, which I'm not convinced is about a real person. But that's if it's not, then I did a whole lot of research for nothing last night. I mean, the, the, I don't think Jocelyn Shaker is a real person. I, th- I know this is based on a true story, but. Um, stars Kathleen Rose Perkins as Caitlin Shaker. She was in Gone Girl. Really? Mm-hmm. I did not see it, but I read it. Does that count? It, I have read it and I did not see it on purpose because I knew that the movie wouldn't do it justice. Absolutely not. That movie was, or that book was fucked up. <laughs> That is the only way you can describe it. Mm-hmm. Um, Kamar De Los Reyes plays Javier. He was in Sleepy Hollow, Call of Duty. He's been in One Life to Live. Okay. Eileen Roca Toralvo plays Susanna. She's been in lots of Spanish films. Oh, Susanna, don't you cry for me. Nope. Um, and then Luis Fernando Hoyos 
plays the El Capitan, and he's in Narcos. Really? Because typecasting is a thing. <laughs> <laughs> and he's also he was also in the Loving Pablo movie. And I don't have a Pornhub or TV this week because most of these actors are in Spanish films, and I love you guys, but not enough to translate a bunch of Spanish movies <laughs> into English and figure out which one is most like a porn. So, sorry. <laughs> um, that is a Patreon exclusive. <laughs> That'll be an episode where I just try to speak Spanish. It'll be great. <laughs> um, we open in the pouring rain to a woman kneeling in the grass. Like you do when it rains. It's Caitlin Shaker, Jocelyn's mother. And then we cut back to a plate glass window with the you know pictures uh-huh. and the the strings. Yes. <laughs> Wait, I watched the wrong thing this week then. Let me watch that. Except the strings are marker lines drawn to suspects and theories, etc. I'm so down. Mm-hmm. Was one of them Princess Diana? No. <laughs> one week earlier in La Victoria, Colombia, Caitlin is singing Hush Little Baby to Jocelyn, which, okay, that song has always given me the heaps, uh-huh. like majorly, so I don't like it. <laughs> this week, something gave me the heaps. And I created my own new word, which maybe other people say, but in my notes, in fact, it was last night, I wrote, this oogs me out. (laughs) I've never used that phrase before. So uh, that's my new thing, apparently. I get ooged out. Oh, my God. Um, I guess it does not give Jocelyn the heaps, though, because she falls asleep. Well, there you go. Later, Javier, who Jocelyn's father, her stepfather... A weird dude that lives in their condo. We don't know. (laughs) Just some squatter who walked in. (laughs) Anyways, he's shaving with his abs. (laughs) Wait, wait, he's shaving with his abs? Like (laughs) he's contorting himself to his stomach? (laughs) No, his abs are just there with him to give him support. So his abs are there. And uh, hold on. I just Googled this guy. Holy shit. Y'all look up. What's his head? Kamar. Karma. What's his name? Kamar. Thank you. Karma. Look up Karma's abs and get back to me. Everybody look up Karma's abs. Kamar de los Reyes. Okay. He's hot as fuck. Um, so, yeah, he's shaving with his abs. <laughs> um, and her mom, the mom comes upstairs looking for her hair clip. And don't worry, this will be a running theme throughout the entire movie. Where the fuck is this lady's hair clip? I was worried. Like, <laughs> just now when you were like, where's her hair clip? I was like, where the fuck is her hair clip? I was like, taken. It, I was yeah, Liam it is exactly just now. like taken. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the babies that are also canceled, so they're going to be late to dinner. So first they make out and then they decide that they'll be close enough to the room slash condo and Jocelyn is asleep. So Jocelyn will be okay alone in the middle of the Colombian jungle. That's a bad idea. Yeah. Hasn't anybody watched the Madeline McCann documentary on Netflix? No. No. Well, you should. Um, so they go to dinner where a lady is trying to convince them to invest $40 million in something. 
I wish I had $40 million to invest in myself. Was it lifetime sentence that they were trying to get her to invest in? It was our Patreon. Thank God. <laughs> it passed, right? Yeah, totally. Okay, good. <laughs> the dinner goes sour when they don't immediately agree to write a big fat check. So, um, do they not know who we are? <laughs> no. <laughs> Fuck no them. <laughs> uh, Javier starts to yell, so Caitlin sends him back to check on Jocelyn. He comes back and says everything's fine. I don't believe that. Mm-hmm. Okay. And this is where we find out he's the stepfather. So. Okay. Yay. And mostly um, I don't believe that because the title of this movie is that she got abducted. abducted. <laughs> <laughs> At the police station, there's a hot lady cop and that's all I know. I assume this will come back later. Does she have a Zippo lighter? <laughs> She's just there. No, there's no Zippo. Thank God. <laughs> if I have to hear that. I'm glad the two of us together made sound effects that neither of them <laughs> sounds like a Zippo lighter, but you're all welcome. Back at dinner, there's a creepy dude in a car. I mean, where else do creepy dudes hang out? Caitlin passes, is on her way to check on Jocelyn. She passes another dodgy looking dude in the hallway carrying golf clubs and a suitcase that they keep zooming in on for no particular reason. She goes to check on Jocelyn and surprise in the Shyamalan twist that nobody saw coming. She's gone. Karma, you lied. <laughs> At first she thinks she's hiding, but then she finds blood on a pillow. So she goes full on psycho mom. I mean, wouldn't you? Mm, oh, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Cut to the news footage covering the search for her. Apparently the family was on a weekend vacation when the abduction occurred. The hot police lady. See, I told you she was going to come back. I was worried. Was on the search as well. Javier is a petroleum tycoon. So good for him. Um, And I said, oh, good. We're getting what I can only assume is the Fox News channel to take on the mother marrying an icky gross foreigner and dragging her daughter to a disgusting foreign country where, of course, she was snatched off the street because duh. (laughs) I mean, what else? What else did you expect? Right. Fox News is the only thing on my TV at all times. I will hang up right now. (laughs) Build a wall. I can't even, I can't even say it in jest. Mm, It's so bad. I know. Um, Caitlin and Javier are being interviewed. Um, The hot police lady is reviewing security footage and is suspicious of the guy with the suitcase as well. We can't ever trust somebody with a suitcase. We cut back to the parents being questioned by the by the hot lady cop, while all the other inferior man cops look on through the window. It's about time. Lady cop, whose name is Susanna, we find out, says she will look for Jocelyn as if she were her own child. Okay. We cut back to the interview where the anchor wants to know why on earth good parents would leave their child alone in a foreign country. I while- also want to know that. While I completely agree, I think this is one of those situations. Not the right time. Where it's a split second decision that you employ the quote, that will never happen to me logic. That then comes back and bites you in the ass real hard. Right. Um, the reporter mom shames the fuck out of Caitlin and I am not here for it because guess what we should all be doing? Finding, Finding the, kid. the kid. Yeah. We can like. You know, crucify the parents later. Um, 
Javier loses his shit and starts like pushing around the cameras, people and stuff while Caitlin just watches like open mouths. Back to the questioning, Javier's assistant from dinner shows up and says they need a lawyer. The police ask for Javier and Caitlin's clothes as evidence. Caitlin agrees immediately, but Javier hesitates a little and then he agrees. Uh, that doesn't look sketch at all, Javi. Back at the hotel, Javier, Caitlin, and the assistant are all coordinating search efforts when Susanna and some other police officers arrive to arrest Javier for the abduction. Uh-oh. And I was like, that was quick. No joke. <laughs> Where's the other hour and ten minutes? Right? Um, Caitlin again just stands there open-mouthed because it's like the only thing she can do. <laughs> Susanna speaks briefly to the media and... I just want to say it's amazing how everyone in Colombia speaks perfect English. You know, that's that's what they're known for. Um, yeah. Like soccer, perfect English, really good mm-hmm. food in that order. Yeah. I get that they do this for continuity purposes, but it's still absolutely ridiculous to assume that people won't read a subtitle. <laughs> um. I actually don't think it's ridiculous to assume. I think it's safe to assume, but still do it. I still think it's ridiculous that they do it. Right. Like, I'm sorry, if you go to Colombia, nobody down there is going to speak English to you, probably. They're also not going to have subtitles on their chest, though. So no. if we're, we're talking about continuity. Yeah. Um, They're making those things. Did you hear Google made translator headphones? Yes. I want some. I know. I want some, and I want to go get a pedicure and listen. <laughs> I don't want to know what those women say about my feet yeah, <laughs> because whatever they say, they have earned the right to. My feet are always awful. Um, so Susanna then corrects one of the other man cops when he calls Jocelyn, quote, that kid. Oh, hell no. Mm-mm. Turns out Jocelyn's life insurance policy was tripled three months ago. And El Capitan says that Susanna just needs to know when they've got the right guy. Because she doesn't think that Javier did it. But everybody else says he totally did. Um, do you remember, I don't know, maybe three or four episodes ago, you and I had a very in-depth conversation about how life insurance just doesn't need to be a thing for a while. Yeah. Let's just stop and reevaluate. Yes. Um, the... Um, the other annoying man cop says the only thing female cops are good for is looking good for the media when the victim is female. Do you remember our very first episode when we had a long conversation <laughs> about female cops? Yes. This is apparently the throwback episode. Callback. Oh, man. Um, I hope she gets to punch this guy in the face before the end of the movie. <laughs> I, in fact, will not be content if she doesn't. Caitlin is walking through the hotel slash condo and comes into Jocelyn's room and we get our edit of the week. Thank God. Because she stands in the room looking around and sees ghost visions of her and Jocelyn jumping on the bed, learning to count in Spanish. Oh, no. But it's also so I mean, it's lifetime, so it's not going to be well done. It's not well done. (laughs) She lays on the bed and imagines herself cuddling little ghost Jocelyn. And I'm like, excuse me, you're laying on a blood stain, so like maybe get off the bed. Yeah, maybe don't mix your hair in with the DNA evidence. Um, 
The assistant comes in. With she's the just like husband. she's just like peeling hair off of her hairbrush at this point and sprinkling <laughs> it around the crime scene. <laughs> like confetti. Like pixie dust. <laughs> the assistant comes in with the nanny's husband. Caitlin cries about, about how this is all her fault. She should have never even come to Columbia. She can't go back to their home without Jocelyn and Javier. The assistant offers her her apartment and in Bogota and tries and tells her to try to contact the American embassy. Which I was like, why wasn't this the first thing you did? You know, I can imagine it's hard to think of those things when your child has just been abducted. I'm going to give a free pass for this one. Well, she gets a free pass anyway, because at the embassy, Caitlin is met by someone who works for the ambassador. And by what she says, it's not the first someone who has worked for the ambassador that she has met that day. He insincerely apologizes and says he spoke to the ambassador and there's just nothing they can do. The ambassador can fuck himself. Yeah. He or herself. Then, that was very. Uh, it was. That was very misogynistic of me. I'm sorry. She can fuck she, herself. They can fuck themselves. I don't care. Pick any pronoun. Fuck off. She begs him for help. And so she doesn't have anywhere else to go. She offers to pay him. And so he's like, here's a list of English speaking attorneys. So she walks away. Which shows a great amount of restraint because I would have punched him in the the face. The shit out of him. Yeah. She leaves the embassy and sobs on the sidewalk. Stupid, annoying policeman calls himself very generous and allows Javier to have a phone call. Oh, gee, what a saint you are. Yeah, he's delightful. Javier tells Caitlin that they're going to figure this out. He says he wouldn't ever have hurt Jocelyn while this this annoying cop smirks at him. A butler, assistant, concierge, squatter in the apartment asks Caitlin if her husband is all right and assures her that Javier is a good man. He asks what she wants to do now, and Caitlin stares out into a thunderstorm and says, I'm going to find Jocelyn. Okay, but we need, like, details. <laughs> like, I I think he figured that was on your agenda. He was like, do you want dinner now or nah? <laughs> so this is where she starts... Using the giant window to make her conspiracy theory board. Oh, that's her window. Mm-hmm. I kept expecting it to be something at the police station. No. Maria, the assistant, comes in and is a bit thrown off by what Caitlin is doing. Because Caitlin's got the crazy eyes. I can't imagine. Yeah. I don't Apparently, think you can create a conspiracy board just like mm-hmm. deadpan. Yeah. So apparently... The company's stock price has also completely bottomed out since Javier got arrested. And the, Maria is like, what do you want to do, Caitlin? And Caitlin doesn't really give a fuck because she wants to find her kid. So she didn't answer that time, find no. my kid? Okay, so that answer mm-hmm. only works once. No, no, no. Because Maria wants to know what to do about the company. Oh. And Caitlin's like, oh, not my concern at this moment. I don't right. care. <laughs> I, I get that. I get that. Um, she continues pasting pictures and articles on the picture window. She tells Maria she's focused on finding Jocelyn alive while the police are trying to find her body. The driver comes in to say that the car is ready and Maria just wishes her luck because what else do you do? Right? Excuse me, sorry. The driver takes Caitlin to a house. He lets her go in and she tells him to call the police if she's not back in 20 minutes and not to let anyone leave the property. So he casually just grabs a tire iron out of the back of the car to stand guard. Oh like, Whoa. <laughs> I don't think that's what she. Okay. That you, escalated quickly. You do you. Boo. <laughs> you, do you. Um, 
The property is fenced, so Caitlin throws her heels over the gate and climbs on over, like you do. Like you do. <laughs> I guess there aren't any doorbells in Columbia either, just like there's no children because they've all been snatched off the streets. So <laughs> sinister music plays while she tries to get into the house, and she pokes around on the property. She didn't just send a I'm here text? No. You up? <laughs> <laughs> She finds like a, a smashed florist truck, but no Mr. Valdez, who I guess this is his house. She's like, Mr. Valdez, are you home? Like, she's a very bad spy. Um, okay, so from what I read while I was researching, this woman's also a very bad actress. <laughs> is that accurate? The actress, actress, or the per- the, the mother? The woman who plays the mother. No, I, I think she's a. I didn't think she was a bad actress. I was actually super into this movie. Okay, see, all the reviews that I read while I was researching said like, "Great story, really thrilling, horrible acting by the mother." You know, I think the people that write those reviews are not expecting a lifetime movie and appreciating it for what it is. Right, it is its own work of art. It is not. It's not meant to be like a blockbuster film. It's like people looking at Picasso, expecting it to be a. Um, hold on and I'll tell you his name Da Vinci mm. expecting to be a Da Vinci and wondering why it looks fucked up like, or like a Warhol and they're like I could stack together some sponges yeah. <laughs> okay dad <laughs> <laughs> she picks up a rock to break into this house because I mean you've come this far why not right we've already hopped the fence and but there was a man standing guard with a tire iron like it doesn't look sketch at all no, she's fortunately stopped by Susanna, who walks up behind her and is like, Mrs. Shaker, what the fuck? Like, please stop that. <laughs> I, I would have loved for that to be the exact line. I wish it had <laughs> I should Lifetime should really hire me to write their movies for them. She says she's also trying to talk to Mr. Valdez and that basically the worst thing to happen right now would be if Caitlin was also arrested. So maybe she should put down the rock. <laughs> That's a fair assessment. Shout out to Susanna for getting it. Susanna's a badass, by the way. Um, She takes Caitlin for a drive slash chat. And before they go, she asks the driver to call Maria and find out what the fuck Susanna is doing there. She doesn't trust her. Okay. So they go for teeny tiny cups of coffee. And and I'm not even like espresso because they're like to-go cups. Oh, so like a to-go demitasse? It's like a little tiny cup of coffee. That's hilarious. Like a Dixie cup. (laughs) Like what's on the side of like the water fountains? And- mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So they go for tiny cups of coffee, and Caitlin starts talking about her fucking hair clip. <laughs> it's important. I know. Caitlin asks why Susanna is helping her, and Susanna says that when she first got married, her husband wanted her to leave the police force, but she couldn't because police work was her calling. She tells a story about stopping someone in a stolen car, and while apprehending the driver. She ended up sustaining a lot of injuries. She had been three months pregnant at the time and lost her baby. Oh, no. And this oh, bonds I don't them. like that. Yeah, it's really sad. This bonds them together, like, with motherhood and right. sisterhood. Yeah. So the, like, exciting music starts to play, and they go to find Jocelyn. Yay! Oh, good. <laughs> and then she's just, like, at home. She's taking a nap the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Meanwhile, Maria storms into the police station and tells them they're grasping at straws. And if the lady cop tries anything funny with Caitlin, she'll have the whole department shut down. Maria and needs El- a clonopin and a nap. El Capitan is like, I'm sorry, what now? 
because he didn't even know Susanna was like going out there. <laughs> um, Maria says she's calling her attorneys. And so El Capitan under his breath is like, damn it, Susanna. <laughs> Back in her car, Susanna is showing Caitlin what she's found so far. Um, Susanna has a video of Mr. Valdez's floral truck leaving the resort that night, but it wasn't scheduled to be there in the first place. Um, Susanna, I don't think that's really A plus police work. Yeah. You're not supposed to show your cards before you can play them. At that time, Mr. Valdez pulls into the warehouse that they're marched out, you know, parked out in front of. And Caitlin marches her ass in there to meet him. And he says he's sorry about Jocelyn and asks what he can do for her. And Caitlin is totally thrown by this because she's dumb and is like, I just saw those orchids from out in the street and thought they were really pretty. (laughs) (laughs) Um, She tells him how much Jocelyn loved orchids and he's like, oh, so we'll use them in the funeral arrangements. And now Caitlin's like, I'm sorry, what? Oh, shit. (laughs) And he says, Jocelyn will have a beautiful funeral. And Caitlin's like, nope, because Jocelyn's still alive. That went from zero to a hundred real fast. She then asks if he saw anyone strange that night, and he says no. They argue about, basically, she accuses him, basically, of doing it. Um, And they argue, and he asks her to leave. She tells Susanna what happens and asks, what now? Like, what do we do now? And Susanna just laughs and says, shit. Um, Now they wait for him to do something. And Caitlin's like, no, we have to do something now. And this is, she's like, you Americans and your police shows, it's not all car chases and gunfights. Good for her. Which is real funny because Justin, a Jeep pulls in and a guy gets out. Mr. Valdez smacks him in the face and yells at him while pointing towards the warehouse. And then he gets in the Jeep and leaves. So they follow. So she like really jumped the gun on the not, not all car chases <laughs> and gunfights. <thing. laughs> well, there's not a gunfight yet. No. She says that she puffs up her chest proudly. Yeah, she's like, I told you. I was right. So they follow. Um, back in jail, El Capitan is talking to Javier about how great he is. I can't wait to get arrested if that's what happens. No, no, no. How great he is. Oh, oh no. I already do that. I don't mean anyone to be Not in jail. Not how great to... Javier is. He talks about how great he is. Gotcha. I already talk about how great I am. I don't need anyone in jail for that. Um, Capitan says he's kissed people like Javier's ass all of his life. And now it's payback time. Oh, you can't do that, buddy. Someone from off screen tells Capitan he has a phone call. And the captain is like, it can wait. And the guy's like, uh, no, it can't. <laughs> I just almost went real English nerd on y'all. So um, hmm. continue. I was like, well, he's not a synecdoche. What? A synecdoche is when an item represents a whole. So, like, if you say, um, the, um, let me, the crown is a synecdoche for the royals. Okay. It's a, it's a small thing that represents the whole. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Javier is essentially this synecdoche for every, every rich yeah, asshole rich he's person. ever had to take care of. Um... It's Espinoza on the phone. That's Susanna with some information. And so they get off the phone and I guess they're just waiting for backup. But a floral truck starts to pull out and Caitlin immediately assumes that Jocelyn is in the truck. (laughs) Don't just assume. So she and Susanna start yelling at each other about what to do. 
So Caitlin does the only thing she can do. She bolts out of the car, jumps in front of the truck, starts screaming at the top of her lungs, where's my daughter? <laughs> runs to the, a lot happens. Hold on, just hold on. She runs to the back of the truck to open it. The son, uh, Mr. Valdez's son, gets out of the passenger seat and the chauffeur, who's just been standing outside with this tire iron for like an hour, <laughs> jumps I've forgotten into about action him. on him. Susanna pulls out her gun on Mr. Valdez. It's a whole clusterfuck. Like, so she throws up in the back of the truck. And ain't nothing, nothing in there. there. Now Susanna's about to get fired for this bullshit. Um, cut to later that night. Mr. Valdez gets arrested anyway, anyway for something. Oh, it turns out Mr. Valdez's son hit a pedestrian the night Jocelyn was um, abducted. And that's where he was going to pick him up and get him out of trouble. Gotcha. So mm-hmm, that's what they got arrested for. Um. El Capitan shows up and suspends Susanna. I saw that coming. He admonishes Caitlin and says he'll bring her in for obstruction of justice if she doesn't butt the fuck out. (laughs) Back at the apartment, Caitlin cries on the bed and lies down. She feels something under the pillow. She pulls it out. And it's... Her fucking hair clip! I was gonna say Jocelyn. Okay, hair clip is better, (laughs) in fact. It's her hair clip. Along with a note asking in all caps for, quote, two million American, no cops, Centro Mayor Lot's roof, 5 p.m. We represent a small foreign faction. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so me, if this were me, I would immediately jump to, how did that person get into, this is totally an inside job. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not her. Mm -mm. She calls Maria, who's, this? it's her apartment, right? She calls Maria. And she's like, I'm going to do the money. I'm going to leave the cops out of it. I'm going to do this. And Bitch, Maria's like, don't cool. call Maria. Maria did it. <laughs> Maria had done did it. <laughs> um, but Maria like plays along and she's like, everything's going to be okay. But like, maybe we should have the police go with you. Like, <laughs> So you're um, admitting to me that Maria done did it. She did. Yeah. Caitlin says, no, I mean, come on. If you hadn't figured it out by this well, point. I haven't watched the movie, so I'm just getting your retelling. Even just from me telling you, you should have figured it out by now. It's not rocket science. Um, Caitlin be. says, no, know. she's going to figure it out. Just call the bank and get her the money. So she, the chauffeur, like she gets her bag and she's like, are you ready to go? And the chauffeur's, she asks the, the chauffeur, did you get what I asked you to? And he pulls out a gun and he's like, yes, I did. And she's like, oh, let's hope you don't have to use it. What kind of voice was that that you just gave him? I don't know. <laughs> Sinister? I don't know. <clears throat> Maria gets dressed and goes straight to the police station to tell them that they are fucking up. Um, at the bank, Caitlin gets two giant duffel bags full of money. <laughs> that is not suspicious at all. No, and they drive to the rooftop. Caitlin gets out of the car. She screams, I'm here. I have your money. Give me my daughter. She hears a gun cock. No. Turns around. It was the chauffeur. He's in on it too. Shit. I did not see that coming. He takes the money, but she runs in front of the car. He points the gun at her head and tells her to move. He says he doesn't want to have to hurt her or her daughter. Then he pistol whips her and leaves. So he lied about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so 
<laughs> what she, is that meme? So that was a fucking law. <laughs> she runs down the stairs with blood pouring out of her head, trying to catch a moving vehicle. Like you do. Yeah. The concussion made her faster. It unlocked her superpowers. Sure, yeah. But she hears shots in the stairwell. She comes out into the parking garage. And it's Susanna. No. Damn. The car has hit a pole. The money's gone. The driver is super dead. But his phone is ringing. She picks up the phone. And before she can say anything, she hears a voice screaming, this was not the plan. And it's Maria. No. I did not see that coming. It's so hard to find good help these days, you guys. (laughs) El Capitan holds a press conference that the chauffeur was murdered. They're charging Caitlin with the murder. Caitlin's on the run. And Susanna, who's still on suspension based on her normal clothes, (laughs) gets a text from um, Caitlin that says, quote, Maria took Jocelyn. I'm going after her. Caitlin calls to jail, pretending to be an attorney. Jesus. Um... Javier tells her that she has to get out of the country. Um, Caitlin apologizes and says that she loves him. She says it was Maria and Javier tells her not to go there by herself. She says she's going and whatever happens to her, make sure they save Jocelyn. The annoying cop is listening on the other line and they all spring into action. She drives out to the house. She apparently traced a call with all of her technical knowledge. (laughs) She just turned on find my iPhone and knew Maria's password. <laughs> That's not tracing a call. She gets out of the truck in the pouring rain and starts creeping around barefoot. Like you do. Well, yeah, you don't make any sound barefoot. And I just want to Except for my fat thing. ass. I break every twig. It echoes. There's no possible way for it to echo. And I still make echoes. And like, no matter where I walk when I'm sneaking, you hear the uh, Halloween music behind me. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to paint a picture here. It's not drizzling. It's not even a steady, like, storm-type rain. It's fucking monsooning. Good. So she, Caitlin breaks a window with her elbow and goes in the house. She's trying very unsuccessfully to be quiet. She grabs <laughs> a knife out of a knife block. So now she's gone the other way. She's trying to make as much noise as possible. Mm-hmm. I guess she didn't take the gun back from the chauffeur's dead body, which would have been, like, 101. Um... She's stumbling around like a person who is probably concussed in the dark. And there's Maria sitting in a chair, but Caitlin doesn't see her. She finds a locked room with a light coming from underneath the door. She knocks and calls Jocelyn's name and Jocelyn is in there and she's alive. But the door is locked and they can't get out. Caitlin says she's going to break down the door. She puts down the knife but again, here's a gun cock in the background. Turns around and there's Maria. Leave the cannoli, take the gun, girl. Now Maria has the crazy eyes. She calls Caitlin, quote, every bit of the stupid blonde bimbo Javier brought back from Miami. And calls her a gringo bitch. <laughs> I'm down with that. Like She says she gave Javier her life and it should have been she and Javier together, not Caitlin. This Caitlin. whole thing's because you're a lover scorned? Like, mm-hmm. find a better... Find a, mm, go ahead. Caitlin yells at, ha- at Javier... No, Caitlin yells that Maria kidnapped her child. And Maria's like, what? Oh, that? I was just giving her a little vacation. You don't even care that the company's stock price have fallen. So who's really wrong here? I think it's you. Yeah, duh. 
um, Maria turns out also bought a majority of the shares when they when they uh, tanked. So now she owns the company. Okay, she gonna die. Mm. Maria says Caitlin took her opportunity to have a child with Javier away from her, and Caitlin says, she, "You know, this is how I'm gonna die, right? This is you how didn't I'm gonna die. have that chance. No, this is how I'm gonna die by making a sarcastic remark to somebody who's holding a weapon, right? Yeah." <laughs> Caitlin says she always looked at Maria's stupid pinched face and figured she was barren. <laughs> oh, shit! <laughs> that is 100% how you're going to go. Mm-hmm. She then turns off the light switch. It goes completely black. Maria fires a shot, and I guess she misses because here comes Caitlin, who flips the light back on, and back on and jumps on her. They fight over the gun and break a lot of furniture. And this is where I realize, nope, she did get shot in the shoulder. Okay. Because Maria reaches up and, like, presses on the gunshot wound to get her, like, to get off of her. Shit. Um, they fight. The fight, of course, spills out into the monsoon. Because if everybody doesn't get soaked in the process, was it really a girl fight? Right. Um, they fall out of a plate glass window into the yard. The gun goes flying. Maria starts to strangle Caitlin. <laughs> but here comes another shot that we get to see in slow motion. It's Susanna. It's El Capitan. She shoots Maria twice, and here comes the police car. El Capitan is suddenly very nice to Caitlin, who just almost in- who is just incoherently screaming. The other officer with El Capitan brings out Jocelyn, who's unharmed, and runs into her mother's literally bleeding arms. You know, at this point, who cares? We're all still standing outside in the monsoon for some reason. Well, yeah, because that girl's bleeding, and I don't want it on me. And El Capitan tells Susanna to secure the crime scene because her suspension has been lifted. Oh, convenient. He, he suddenly wants to reunite this family. But all good things must come to an end because El Capitan shoots Susanna and then shoots the other op- officer that's with him. What the fuck? I did not expect that. Is the Susanna two, dead? No. The two male officers get into a gunfight, but... El Capitan kills him. Susanna, Jocelyn, and Caitlin all run to the back of the car. Caitlin finds a gun, but El Capitan gives a long soliloquy about why his job sucks and what a hero he is. And how he also stole some of the ransom money. Doesn't he? That's how everyone in Shakespeare dies. They talk too much. He wanted to save the, the girl and be a hero. So Caitlin tells Jocelyn not to look. She throws the gun and tells him that he can kill her, but to please let Jocelyn live. El Capitan calls her a good mother, but then takes out his gun to shoot her anyway. Um, Jokes on him, though, because she hid the gun in her waistband of her pants. She shoots El Capitan three times just to make sure he's real dead. She hugs Jocelyn. They all stand in the monsoon because they all want to catch a cold, I guess. Cut to Javier being released from jail. Caitlin and Jocelyn are there to meet him. Javier swings Jocelyn around. Caitlin has a sling for her poor shoulder. They all hug. Susanna is El Capitan now. Good. Her gunshot La wound Capitana. also still hurts, but somebody has to get shit done around here because she's at work. Right. Jocelyn, Caitlin, and Javier go sightseeing. Jocelyn eats the cotton candy to the size of her head while Caitlin and Javier kiss. It's lovely and delightful, and I'm not even mad. They only showed Javier's abs once, and that's it. Oh, <laughs> that's a feel-good ending. Yeah. I'm going to miss it. I really did like this movie. That's what you told me. It was interesting. And you're going to like it a lot less once I tell you about Jocelyn Shaker. 
So when we were recording our um, Patreon episode, mm-hmm. you asked me if Jocelyn Shaker was a real person. Mm-hmm. And I told you I wouldn't answer any questions. Yeah, because you're mean. Yes, I am mean. <laughs> um, the characters in the li- in this Lifetime movie are not representative of real people. There yeah. was no Jocelyn Shaker, but there is a more dramatic true story from which this movie drew its inspiration. And you mm-hmm. guessed it. Madeline McCann. Madeline McCann. Yes. So, Madeline this Beth... This story is also super fucked up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and... Just like when we did, um, what what case did we cover recently that there was new information in? Like, the information broke the week that we recorded the episode. Uh, Slenderman. Yes. Um, information broke on this case this week, too. Ooh. Yeah. So. All right. Madeline Beth McCann was born on May 12th, 2003. She was blonde-haired, hazel-eyed, and looked like an actual doll. Yeah, she did. Her parents, Kate and Jerry McCann, are physicians in Rothley, I practiced this so I wouldn't panic, and I still panicked, Leicestershire (laughs) in England, near Leicester. Kate had been an OBGYN, then worked as an anesthesiologist before going uh, into general practice. Mm-hmm. general practice i was trying to say general practitioner which has a different emphasis um madeline's father jerry is a consultant cardiologist in leicester mm-hmm. and madeline was the older sister of two twin brothers so it was the three of them on saturday april 28 2007 mm-hmm. the mccanns arrived in praia de luz a small village in portugal known as little britain because of the amount of british homeowners in the village as well as the amount of british vacationers who come to visit the resort mm-hmm. now because a lot of the information i found on this was british because they're british they're mm-hmm. not called vacationers they're called holiday makers Yes. So I kept that in my notes from here on out. Um, and so you will find that I slip a lot between like UK preferential and American preferential. I do this a lot in my real life because my one of my first like adult jobs, I worked with a lot of people in London and I my boss actually was from the UK. And so I picked up a lot of that and I still use it. And I right. I, it's, I can't get rid of it. <laughs> no, I love that. Some of the way the some of the way the British use words, some of the ways rather, is so lovely that mm-hmm. I just wish I could steal them. I also prefer to put a U in all of my words that we don't Me put too. use. It's so much nicer. Um yes. Yeah, but I say like I'll say holiday or instead of uh takeout, I say takeaway. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um so um the McCanns were traveling with three other families and their kids. In total, there were nine adults and eight children on this trip, three of the children belonging to the McCanns. The media would dub the group the Tapas Seven, even though there were nine adults, so I guess they don't count the McCanns. I don't sure. know. Um, and this is by far the best name I've heard the media come up with, which isn't really saying a lot, but considering so far we've been given the Grim Sleeper and Tapas mm-hmm. Seven, I will take the Tapas Seven. I mean, it's cl- kind of close to the Monterey 5, and so I'm kind of on board. The, hence, I said Monterey 7 earlier, because mm-hmm, it was the top of 7. That's why. <laughs> uh-huh. And I figure we can be the Mimosa Duo. <gasps> we should be the Mimosa Duo. Um, that's a thing. It's happening. Yep. Also, I was realizing earlier, it's less than three weeks till we like are together, and I'm so excited. I know. I'm so pumped. 
So the top of seven included, and this is unfortunately important because all of these people have a part in this story, Mm -hmm. um, included Fiona and David Payne, who are both doctors, and Fiona's Mm -hmm. mother, Diane Webster, Jane Tanner and her partner, Russell O'Brien. She was a marketing manager and he was a physician. Mm-hmm. Rachel and Matthew Oldfield, a lawyer and doctor, respectively. Mm-hmm. And Jerry McCann, Russell O'Brien, and Matthew Oldfield had all worked together at some point over the years. Okay. So they're all kind of a close-knit, connected group of people. Right. Most of them drawn together because of their um, station in life. They all have more money than the people around them. Now, doctors in the UK are not paid nearly as much as doctors in no. America because of socialized health care. Right, because our health care system is broke as fuck. That's why. But the um, the McCanns were specialists, and specialists do make more than a mm-hmm. GP. Like, the uh, Kate did go into being a GP, I think, when she had the kids. But before mm-hmm. that, she was an ob and an anesthesiologist, and both of those make more. Yeah. Um. Anesthesiologists here make a shitload of money. Yes. I mean, I get it because you have to know, like, you have to have so much, like, chemical knowledge, but still, it's a lot. Um, so, for the McCanns, the days were all very similar there, uh, during the week of their vacation. The mm-hmm. children spent the mornings at the resort's kids' club, mm-hmm. and then the family would have lunch in their apartment. They'd spend some time at the pool, and then the kids would return to the kids' club, and then, like, at this point, the parents would do kind of what they wanted. So the dad took a tennis lesson some days and, you know, things like this. Yeah. Um, uh, and then at about six o'clock, Kate would pick them up and the parents would put the children into bed around seven. Mm-hmm. And then at 830, the parents, all of the parents, all of the top of seven would leave their children asleep in their apartments while they went to a nearby restaurant called the Ocean Club to dine. This I don't understand. I don't either. And because and it here's the other thing is that in this movie, Jocelyn was six years old. Those are like babies. Yeah, Madeline was a week before her fourth birthday. Those are you're leaving like babies. Yeah, her twin brothers and that were too. I, like people that are not verbal and somebody that is not doesn't have the cognitive ability to ask for help. Right. If they need to, you know, a six-year-old at least could be like, I'm lost. I need to find my mom. Right. I just, oh, God. Um, the restaurant was about 160 feet from the apartments. And the parents could see the tops of the apartments from their nightly vantage point, but not the mm-hmm. doors. No. So I don't know how knowing that you could see the building did any good for them, but whatever. You know, and I, I just, I don't want to victim blame because... You know, the McCann's are victims in this, but it's just horrible. We'll talk about that. It's just, it, like I said in the Shaker movie, like, it's that split second, this will never happen to me decision. Yeah. That ends up just biting you in the ass. Oh, yeah. Super hard. So, um, at about 9.05, Jerry McCann walked back to their apartment to check on the sleeping children. The mm-hmm. children were all asleep. And Jerry noted that he'd left their bedroom door slightly ajar, but when he returned, it was standing wide open. So he left it slightly ajar again and returned to the restaurant. I, mm, no. Yeah. Nope. Mm-mm. Um, no. If my, if there's anything off kilter in my home, when I come into it, I check every, that's just my like. Yeah. 
No, that's, that's me like, too. Like though. my PTSD and my victim like stuff coming back, but I check everywhere, even places where a human could not physically hide. One time, <laughs> yeah. One time in college, um, I was out. So Sarah's best friend's name is also Sarah, mm-hmm. and I was actually friends with best friend Sarah. And my best friends yes. are all named Aaron. Exactly. So I was actually out like friends with best friend Sarah before mm-hmm. I was friends with my wife. Mm-hmm. And so one night she and I were hanging out. We were like the only two people in town from our friend group. So mm-hmm. we went out for dinner and stuff. I met her at her house. And when we left, she was like, you know what? My roommates aren't here. So I'm going to leave the lights on so that when I come back, it'll be lit up. Well, yeah. we, we got back and all the lights were off. Nope. And none of her roommates were supposed to be in town. Mm-mm. Nope. So I sure did. She was like, I mean, it'll be fine. You go home. And I was like, no, nope. no, no, no. So I walked and checked underneath all the couches, underneath all the beds, went in all the rooms I wasn't allowed to go in. Like That is how people get murdered. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't have any of that stuff. I just have, I've watched too many of these documentaries and ain't going to happen to my friends. Um, so just after nine o'clock, Jane Tanner had also gone to her apartment and she told the police that she had noticed Jerry McCann stopped to talk to another British holiday maker. In later reports, though, neither man recalled having seen Jane Tanner, which remains an odd fact to the Portuguese police, given how mm-hmm. narrow the streets were. It would right. have been impossible for them not to see her. To see her. Mm-hmm. Um, the police maintain that Tanner invented this sighting for McCann, but they don't know why. Or of McCann, sorry. But they don't know why. Hmm. Um Madeline's mother, Kate, was supposed to check on the children at 930, but mm-hmm. Matthew Oldfield offered to check on them when he went to check on his own children in the apartment next door to theirs. Right. He noted that their door was standing wide open, but after hearing no noise, he left the apartment without actually looking at the children. Nope. You know, uh, True Crime Obsessed is doing this documentary on their Patreon right now. Oh, really? And they're ta- their talk about the... The timeline of how they were like, oh, we went every 20 minutes. But the longer the night goes on and they the didn't. more you drink, you extend 20 to 30. And you're like, oh, they're fine. It'll be 30 minutes and then 40 minutes. I've got, and then I've got the detailed, an hour. Mm-hmm. I've got the detailed timeline here because, yeah. like I told you last night, I went through 79 pages of research. Like, <laughs> I've gotten it down to six pages. But I was like, I, in fact, got so into this case that I dreamt last night that Sarah was kidnapped in Mexico. This story is bananas. Um. Yeah, so that was at 9.30. At 10 o'clock, finally, Kate made her way to check on the children. Kate recalled entering the apartment through the unlocked patio doors at the back of the house. So hold on. Sorry, I just want to like clarify something in the timeline. So the guy went at 9.20, right? Yes. But he didn't actually go in. So when's the last time somebody had eyes on the kids? At um, 9.05, when Jerry walked in. Yeah. So... um. At 10 o'clock, she went in. She went through the back patio doors. So the front door of the house could be locked with a key, but the back doors could only be locked from the inside. And the front door was right by the kids' room, so they didn't want to disturb them by going in and out of the front door. So they left the back patio door. This is their story. Again, no. Just leave it unlocked? Yeah. yeah. Any old, anybody could walk in? Yeah, or fuck? how about you... Like, there are nine adults there. Why can't one of them take a shift watching all the kids every night? Like, I'm sorry you have to be an adult one time. Or even, like, trade off. There's nine of you. You're not going out for nine hours. So trade off an hour, you know, an hour out and an hour in. And then, you know, yeah, you're going to miss an hour. But really, you have that bad of FOMO that you have to leave the kids alone? Right. 
So um, she walked in and she noticed that their bedroom door was wide open again. Mm-hmm. When she tried to close the door, it slammed shut as though a draft, like as though there was a draft in the room, which is when she noticed that the bedroom window and its shutter were open. Nope. Madeline's stuffed toy called Cuddle Cat oh. and her pink blanket were still on the bed, but Madeline was nowhere to be seen. The boys were like the twin brothers were still asleep in the bed. Oh, my God. After searching the apartment, Kate ran back toward the restaurant screaming, Madeline's gone. They've taken her. Who's that? Hold on to that thought. It's coming back. You know, let me just. I'm an I'm a pretty anal mom. You know this. Uh Uh-huh. But the only thing I can equate this to in my brain is one time when my son was little, he was maybe 18 months old. I needed to stop to get gas and he was asleep right in the back of the car and I needed to pay cash. So I had to go inside. Right. And I literally sat outside the gas station for like 20 minutes, like grappling with, do I leave him here for five seconds to go pay? I waited until there was nobody in line. I ran it. And then it was like, well, do I leave the car unlocked? So the air conditioner's on, or do I leave him in the hot car for a minute while I run inside, you know? Right. And it, it took me like 30 minutes to make this decision. And I had, I, like, I literally like paid with my back to the guy because I was watching the car. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's how crazy I am. Yeah, so I, don't I don't think that's crazy. <laughs> I don't think that's crazy. So, um, and, you know, spoiler alert, he's fine. <laughs> yeah. So she ran back to the restaurant screaming that. Hold on. <laughs> At around 10.10, Madeline's father, Jerry, sent Matthew Oldfield to ask the resort's reception desk to phone the police. And at 10.30, the resort activated their missing child search protocol. 60 staff and guests searched until 4.30 a.m., assuming that she'd just wandered off. And one report said you couldn't get to one end or the other of the village without hearing someone yelling her name because they spread out so far looking for her. Where... Like, why would you let the guests, like, what if somebody had her and they're like, oh, yeah, well, let's go look for her. How many times do we hear about that happening? Yes. Like, how many murders do we hear and, like, join in the search for missing that girls? That just seems like a really bad idea. Yeah. Two officers from the- whole case is just like, and the really bad idea. Uh-huh. <laughs> Two officers um, from the local police department arrived within 15 minutes. Um And then they started to um, take statements and stuff and realized that it was way above their pay grade. Right. So they they called the judicial police. um, Mm -hmm. uh, So they're called the PJ because it's Policia Judiciaria. The private jets. Yep. (laughs) So I'll call them the PJ from now on. Um, Mm -hmm. Kate McCann said that the PJ arrived just after 1 o'clock a.m., And at 2 o'clock a.m., two patrol dogs were brought to the resort. At 8 o'clock a.m., four search and rescue dogs were brought to the resort. Police were called in from their, like, they were on vacation and leave. And they were all called in and it was canceled. So they could start searching the waterways, wells, caves, sewers, and the ruins around the area. Um, And then PJ Inspector Amaral became the coordinator for the investigation. Now let's talk about everything that was fucked up about this investigation from the very beginning. Okay. Because we love that. We love when police fuck it up. Because guess who fucked it up? The police. You know, I wish I could have caught that look that you gave me in a picture. 
That was amazing. Neither the border police nor the marine police were given descriptions of Madeline for many hours. That's not even hard to do. <laughs> and 2007, right? Yes, 2007. You have smartphones, you text out a picture. Officers did not make house-to-house searches at all at this point. Um, according to Kate, roadblocks were finally put into place at 10 a.m. the next morning. That's 12 hours after she was reported missing. Oh, then whoever has her is long fucking gone. Oh, yeah. In. Police did not request the motorway, motorway surveillance pictures of vehicles leaving Praia de Luz the night of the disappearance. Euros Cut, who is the company that monitors the roads, said they were never approached for information. It took Interpol five days to issue a global missing persons report. Oh, my God. Not even everybody at the resort was interviewed. Holidaymakers actually phoned the British police to say they'd not been interviewed once they returned. Get your shit together. The crime scene was not secured. Police. You know, this happens all the, what the fuck? How hard is it to keep people out? Police took samples from Madeline's bedroom, which were sent to a forensics lab in Portugal. It was reported on June 1st that DNA from one stranger had been found. But around 20 people had entered the apartment before it was closed off. Do you know what this sounds like to me? John Bonet. Yeah. And I'll talk about more. I love that you have to whisper that. Well, <laughs> I'll talk about more of the connections as we go. Mm-hmm. Um so, like, around 20 people had entered the apartment before it was closed off. According to Kate, an officer placed tape across the doorway of the children's bedroom, but then left at 3 o'clock a.m. without securing the rest of the apartment. He's like, I did my part. <laughs> I don't know why everyone's complaining. <laughs> the PJ case file released... You wanted me to do more, you should have been more specific. Right. The PJ case file released in 2008 showed that the apartment laid empty for a month after the disappearance and then was rented out to more tourists for the next month and a half until August when it was shut down for more forensic testing. I mean, why even bother at that point? Right. Um, Also, throughout the day of the disappearance... Or like the day following, a crowd gathered by the front door of the apartment, including next to the children's window, which was open when Kate called the cops. So it's possible an abductor came in or out through that window. But Mm -hmm. now people have trampled the potential evidence there. And the police who was put in charge of dusting that window for fingerprints did not wear gloves. What is this? Everybody's first day? They're like new recruits. We have a crime scene. Let's go. Right. Everybody, bring your crime kit. <laughs> it's just like it's showtime. None of them even have a crime kit. They just have like Johnson and Johnson baby powder that they put on the windowsill. They're like, we're dusting for prints right now, boss. <laughs> oh my god. So finally, the local police from Leicestershire, which is where Madeline was from. Uh, decided to get involved and they coordinated the British response being her local law enforcement, but allowed Portugal to be in control of the inquiry. Mm-hmm. And at her parents' request, Madeline was actually made a ward of the court in England so that they wouldn't have to get them to sign off when they wanted to make decisions on her behalf. They just gave the court the power to act on her behalf so things would move more quickly. Okay. 
Um, which I had to do some research on because it sounds like they were just signing their rights away to the kids, but it was a temporary status. And so the right. cops wouldn't have to get like kind of like a managing conservatorship. Yes, exactly. Yeah, okay. Just so they wouldn't have to get papers and papers and papers signed every, every time, you know, time. like bureaucratic mm-hmm. tape. Yeah. 12 days after the disappearance, they um, named their first suspect, which um, in Portugal, they call them the Arguido. And it's a little bit of a different um understanding than suspect so mm-hmm. um right yeah so he was given arguido status um his name was robert marat he was named a suspect after a journalist told the police that he'd been asking a lot of questions about the investigation on the day after the disappearance the pj also remembered that jane tanner when she said that she'd seen um jerry and that unknown man stopped and talking mm-hmm. she said when she was finished like talking to them or like saying hello to them. She saw a man walking across the beach, holding a small girl in his arms and he was headed in the direction of Robert Marat's house. Cause Robert Marat lived nearby. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, three minute, three members of the top of seven also said they'd seen Marat hanging around outside the McCann's apartment shortly after the disappearance, mm-hmm. as did a nanny who was not associated with them at all. And two British holiday makers. He and his mother, however, had said he'd been home all evening. Mm-hmm. 10 years later in 2017, though his mother, Jenny Marat said that she'd been driving past the apartment that night and had seen a young woman in a plum, co- plum colored top behaving suspiciously how could she corroborate that he'd been at home all night if she had not been at home all night? I don't know. Okay. I'm just, um, she said she passed this information on to the PJ at the time. She also said that she had seen a small Brown rental car speeding toward the apartment, driving the wrong way down a one way street. But she was Mm -hmm. home too, to see that he was home. Wasn't this their neighbor though? The Were brown they in the, the place next door? No, no, no. Yeah, Marat, the Marats lived mm-hmm. next door to the... Uh, so, it's, I mean, it's, it's conceivable that she saw a car. Right. But she said she was driving when she saw this woman in the plum top. Okay, well, not... Yeah, that's a little weird. Right. Um, but also, like, if I remember right, wasn't he, act, like, acting as their translator? Robert Marat? Yeah. Just for, a, well, just for a little bit at the very beginning of the case. Right. And so this is, like, mm-hmm. where... I would get in trouble because I would want to help. Right. And then suddenly I'm the suspect and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I just wanted to help. Like, <laughs> Eventually, uh, they decided there was no tangible evidence linking Marat or any of his friends who got called into question to this mm-hmm. case. And so his Arguido status was lifted in July on July 21st, 2008, when the case was closed by the PJ. Uh-huh. In April 2008, he received 600,000 pounds in out-of-court settlements for libel from all of the newspapers that were reporting awful things about him in Britain because he was a dual citizen of Britain and Portugal. Mm-hmm. Um, his friends also each received 100,000 pounds for libel. Wow. It was the largest libel case in the UK ever. Um, well, can you imagine, though, that, like, you didn't do anything and it's just... Yeah. Like, now everybody thinks that you did something. I, yes. Ugh. So, Scotland Yard eventually took over the investigation. and oh, Thank God. Well, you say that, but it complicated things even more. Because, I mean, too many cooks in one kitchen. Like, right, they right. were not cooperating with each other. Nobody would share evidence. Like, the Leicester police were fine it's working like with the It's like here, when Yard. the FBI, the locals, and the... 
freaking everybody wants to be involved and it just turns into a big old clusterfuck. That's what Sarah said whenever I was explaining this case mm-hmm. to her. She was like, it's like in Criminal Minds when the BAU comes in and nobody can figure out who's in charge. Mm-hmm. Um, t- um, so other witnesses gave statements describing that there were men behaving oddly around the apartment in the days leading up to the apartments. Uh, to the abduction, I wrote to the apartment. <laughs> um, Scotland Yard came to believe that these men may have been recon- uh, like performing reconnaissance, either for abduction or for burglary. And they also had done enough research to know that there had been a fourfold increase in local burglaries in the months leading up to Madeline's disappearance. So Scotland Yard actually went in thinking that this was a burglary gone wrong, that they probably did not expect there to be children in the house unattended. And then panic. So then they were like, well, we'll just take this one. If she woke up. So their idea is that no, she woke up like and was an eyewitness. There. <clears throat> She's three. She can't identify you. No, listen, I'm just telling you what they said. Because I still haven't gotten to all of my feelings about this case yet. Oh, goody. Um, after investigating into several witness statements, the Portuguese police's suspicions turned very quickly to guess who? The parents. Yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. They had been thriving on the media attention. um, And they claimed that they had been like just accepting all the media offers they could get to keep their girl story on the front page so Mm -hmm. that she stayed kind of on the forefront of everyone's mind, which I get that concept. Mm -hmm. You know, I would want my kid to be on the front page every single day until they found him. Right. Exactly. Um, The press began reporting that the top of seven were all keeping a secret that would incriminate the McCann's. They maintained that the tapas seven were swingers and that the parents had been sedating their children so they could go out at night, which I don't know what those two things have to do with each other. No. Also, like if they're swingers, that doesn't matter. Right. That's what I'm saying. That doesn't, like, like preclude them from being good parents. Like, yes, it does. Yes, it does. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Um, they also claimed that the tapas seven had formed a quote, pact of silence right very dramatic right um many people pointed out the inconsistencies within and between the mccann's and the rest of the top of sevens stories Mm -hmm. kate mccann holds that the police asked the group questions in portuguese had an interpreter that translated the replies then the Mm -hmm. statements were typed up in portuguese and then translated verbally back into english for them to sign so that's a lot she maintains that a lot of stuff could have literally been lost in translation Mm -hmm. i Uh, can see that oh yeah among the inconsistencies however was one, whether the McCanns had entered the apartment through the front door or the back door to check on the children. Because mm-hmm. according to the PJ case file, Jerry had stated during his first interview on the date of the abduction that they had entered through the locked front door. Mm-hmm. But six days later on May 10th, he said that they'd entered through the patio doors, which remained unlocked um, right. because they could only be locked from the inside. Mm-hmm. In December of that year, he said that he'd used the front door earlier in the week, but they realized it was too close to the children's bedroom so that he just got confused when he was talking. The PJ also questioned why when Kate discovered her daughter was missing, she ran to the restaurant, leaving Madeline's twin brothers alone in the apartment instead of using her cell phone or just shouting across the resort to the others of the top of seven. Because it was only 150 feet. You could yell that far. Right. Mm -hmm. This and many other discrepancies led the PJ to believe that there had been no abduction. 
chief among their complaints was Kate's shout of, as you picked up one, they've taken her. Right. Which was another connection to John Bonet. Um, when Patsy Ramsey called 911, she, she used language that, as the uh, Portuguese police say, um, they viewed this as suspicious because it was like she was laying the foundation for an abduction story. Right. Um, because at that point, there's no reason to say they've taken her. There's more reason to say she's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, from about August 2007 onward, the PJ theorized that Madeline had died as a result of an accident, likely after she'd been sedated to stay asleep, and that her parents hid her body for a month before retrieving her and driving her to an unknown location in a car that they hired three weeks after the disappearance. And they did three weeks because they were held in Portugal for a long time. They hired a silver car um, 24 days into their, like after the abduction that they used to get around because they had to stay in a house off site and like their whole life had to be put on pause and they stayed in Portugal for a while. On June 28th, the McCanns requested the PJ help, uh, request help from uh, a former South African police officer whose name was uh, Donye K. Krugel mm-hmm. or Danny Krugel. I don't know. I might Kringles. have just it. Yeah, exactly. Um, who claimed that he had. Are you ready for this? Oh, it's my God. favorite thing in this whole case. He had developed a, quote, matter orientation system. He held that he could locate a missing person using just their DNA and satellites. So he had this magic machine he'd feed their DNA into and a satellite would boop, boop, boop around and then like metal detector his way to the dead body. Like this sounds like a Scientologist. (laughs) Right. I wrote what a load of bullshit. Put some um, L. Ron Hubbard shit right there. Right. <laughs> they also suggested that the PJ hire psychics. Inspector Amaral went on record to say he believed Kate was using these as ploys to, quote, disclose the location of her daughter's body without compromising herself. So one of the things is that because the family were um, suspects, Mm-hmm. It seems like a lot of the investigation was trying to prove their guilt. Mm-hmm. Um, not that there's not a lot of evidence that could lead to that conclusion. Right. But I, it's so hard to find an unbiased mm-hmm. um, investigation these days. And this yeah. really was stacked against them. And I really hate that like, and this happens all the time with abduct- abductions. Like they're not trying to find the kid. They're trying to figure out who, took the kid like right. there's a difference you know right and they're trying to blame somebody for the crime but, but i mean find, find the, the kid, kid first. first and then work backwards from there like right i don't know why that's so hard so the most damning in my opinion evidence against the parents and this mm-hmm. is the thing that i can't reason away because it was it can't be faked toward them um so and these were from provided by the um, Scotland Yard. So it is not the Portuguese police at this point doing this to them. Mm-hmm. Um, over the course of the investigation, two sniffer dogs were brought in from South Yorkshire. Mm-hmm. Keela was a CSI dog trained to give her handler what's known as a passive alert. Mm-hmm. Um, she only alerted to the scent of human blood, and she did so by placing her nose close to the spot where she smelled the blood, and then freezing in that position. Okay. Eddie was a cadaver dog who was trained only to bark in response to the scent of human cadavers. 
Oh, Eddie. Yeah. They're That's both so special. Cute. I wrote in my notes, I trust dogs. I do too. <laughs> Implicitly. Yes. Um, both dogs alerted behind the sofa in the living room of the McCann's vacation apartment. And Eddie gave an alert near the wardrobe in the main bedroom. There were no alerts on the beach or the wasteland. The PJ obtained search result, uh, search warrants to search the house they had that the um, parents had rented after they weren't at the resort any longer. Mm-hmm. Um, the grounds were searched on August 2nd, 2007, and Eddie alerted when he encountered Madeline's stuffed animal, Cuddle Cat. Mm. The police left with boxes of the McCann's clothes, Cuddle Cat, a pair of latex gloves, suitcases, a notepad, two diaries, including one that Kate had started after the disappearance, and a Bible that they had borrowed from a friend's from a friend. Mm-hmm. The items were then taken to a second location where Eddie alerted to one of the boxes of clothes. Mm-hmm. A source close to the McCann's lawyers told reporters that if there were the smell of corpses on Kate's clothing, it's because she comes into contacts with contact with corse, corpses as a doctor. Like you do. Um, so I double checked with Sarah cause I don't know much about doctoring, but she kind of does. Mm-hmm. And I was like, do, do they just like have corpses laying around in their office in the GP? Like, yeah. <laughs> and she, she was like, good doctors don't. So- <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, unless you're like the medical examiner, I don't see why you'd be around corpses like all the time. Right. Exactly. Um, The police removed the car that they were renting and parked it in an underground parking lot along with... I thought you were raising your hand like you No, my arm is hurting. Um, They put it in an underground parking structure along with nine other cars, including Robert Robert Moratz. Mm -hmm. So I can't say my R's. Like, I went to speech therapy and... Mm -hmm. That one of the things is you don't get over not being able to say ours. So mm-hmm. I really have to fight it when there's a lot of ones back to back. Robert Marat was the first suspect. Uh-huh. Um, so Eddie, the cadaver dog, gave an alert outside of only the McCann's car right by the driver's door. He alerted mm-hmm. at no other cars. So the next morning they took Keela and she alerted to the rear driver's side inside the trunk And the map compartment inside the driver's door, which contained the ignition key and key ring for the car. The key was then buried underneath sand in a fire bucket, and she alerted (laughs) to that. So then they moved the bucket to a different floor of the parking structure and took her through Mm -hmm. all the floors, and she only alerted to that bucket again. Wow. Yeah. Um. The DNA evidence that they took from the trunk of the car um, proved to be inconclusive because of the contamination of, I mean, A, it's a rented car. Like, And that's that's the other thing. Like, maybe it wasn't. Right. You know, that's why it's shaky evidence. Right. Not because it's not clear. It's just not clear enough to indicate just them. Right. The what's more damning is not the car, but it's that they alerted to like her cat and her clothes. Yeah. Um, not the, cuddle cat. It fits the theory that they moved her body. Yeah. And that they put the stuffed animal with her body when they moved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, again, that's just a theory. I am not saying yeah. that that's what happened. Nobody sue me. We have no money. No, no money. If you didn't hear, the $40 million did not come to us. Nope. Um, 
Despite being suspects, the McCanns were allowed to return to England on September 9th, 2007. So their mm-hmm. kid went missing May 4th. They're there till September 9th. Um, the next day after they left, the chief inspector of the PJ signed a nine-page report concluding that Madeline had died in the apartment as a result of an accident, that the restaurant meal and apparent... Um, and apparent regular checks on the McCann children had been part of the cover-up, that the Tapas Seven had helped mislead the police, and that the McCanns had concealed the body and then faked an abduction. But they were doing that dinner thing, like, every night. Yes. So, I don't... Mm. I'm just telling you what the report said. Um, in 2010, the website WikiLeaks... published a report that was written on September 28th, 2007 by the American ambassador in Portugal. Mm -hmm. Um, He wrote about, he wrote this about um, ambassador Ellis, who was the British ambassador to to Portugal. Mm -hmm. The, the report, the cable said uh, without delving, this is a quote, without delving into the details of the case, Ellis admitted that the British police had developed the current evidence against the McCann parents. And he stressed that authorities from both countries were working cooperatively. He Mm -hmm. commented that the media frenzy was to be expected and was acceptable as long as the officials keep their comments behind closed doors. So according to this report, it would appear that even Scotland Yard at the time believed the McCanns were guilty. Okay. Um, The twins had slept through the commotion after Madeline was reported missing. Kate wrote that she was concerned the abductor might have given the kids sedatives, which seems really suspicious to me because she was accused of giving the kids sedatives and that that is what helped lead to Madeline's death. And so she three months into the investigation was like, Hey, can you test my kids for sedatives? Like maybe someone else put them on them. Three months later. Yeah. I mean, which I don't point girl, let it go. I don't know. Does it show up in the hair? Is it like, I, I I mean, I know you and I, mean, I don't I know. I know it stays like, in your hair longer than anywhere else. It's not going to be in their blood or urine anymore. That's for sure. Right. Um, according but even then, if it was in their hair, they could never prove that it had been someone else that gave it to them. Right. Exactly. Um, I don't know. It just seems so suspicious that. Yeah, that's really odd. Um, according to the PJ files, Kate asked them to take samples three months after the disappearance, but they had not done so. Um. The investigator in charge was then, like, in October, late September, early October, I (laughs) forgot to record the state, um, was removed from the case after being listed as the prime suspect in a different girl's disappearance. What now? (laughs) Right? Okay. Portugal. (laughs) You guys. Milwaukee, good news. <laughs> <laughs> You're no longer the worst fucking police on the planet. <laughs> You're number two. <laughs> you have been promoted. Usurped. <laughs> yes, the champion terrible police force. God. Unfortunately, you have to give up the goblet of fire. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Um, So on July 21st, 2008, um, the PJ officially closed the inquiry. 
Um, right, because like they're like, wait, one of our cops did this. We got a close. Well, that's still nine months after the like the cop was removed and someone else was put in charge. Um, basically, the Portuguese attorney general announced that there was no evidence that could link the McCanns or Robert Marat to the disappearance. So their uh, Arguido status was lifted from like from all suspects, and the case was closed unless they could find further evidence that would reopen the case. Well, I mean, there's no other people in Portugal, just the McCanns and that <laughs> Robert Marat guy. Right. So they just had nowhere else right. to go. Not to mention, they were receiving hundreds of witness statements of people just walking around. Portugal is like a wasteland. There's nothing there. Right, right. There was, in fact, one report that I didn't write down, but it was just like one woman was one woman was like, I saw a man with ugly blonde hair walking around. You should check him out. Um, they That's d- like the neighborhood watch. <laughs> right. Where it's like there's a suspicious character walking down the street. By suspicious, do you mean he's just black? Because that's yeah, what it always probably. means in my area. Yeah. Like too. that's not suspicious. He's just existing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um so Jane Tanner, they did follow up her report of the man walking across the beach. They did actually find a man who mm-hmm. was dressed in the clothes that she said that he was. It took them a long time to find, but he'd actually just been a guest at the resort whose daughter fell asleep while he was having dinner with her. Can like, you imagine being that poor guy? Like- <laughs> but I just wanted to reiterate, he was having dinner with her and she fell asleep. They were yeah. together at night. <laughs> And then he carried her back to their apartment. Right. They He ate with her. Okay, I'm done. Yeah. So that was an option. It wasn't like an adults-only restaurant. No. <laughs> okay. Just so we're clear. But apparently, like, this was a thing at this resort. That's... Like, people would bring, like, baby monitors and stuff and, like, sit them out on the table so that they could listen in on their... Ch- and I'm like... What is wrong with you people? Yeah, especially when you know there's a rise in crime in the area. Like, like is that just something that started in the 70s when people didn't give a fuck about kids because you could always have more and they just, like, continued it? I don't know. <laughs> I still, like, when my son is home alone, I still call and check on him several times. And yeah. he's always like, leave me alone. And I'm I'm like, I'm trying, but, you know. You have to. What if there's a robber? I don't, right. like, I don't know what to tell you. Um, just deal with it and if he doesn't answer his phone god help him because I will go completely ballistic so the case was closed July 21st 2008 July 24th 2008 so three days passes when Amaral the chief who'd been taken off the case because he was the suspect at another crime mm-hmm. his publisher announced the book that they've been working on in secret called Maddie the truth of the lie which alleged that Madeline died as a result of an accident in the apartment and that the McCanns worked to cover it up. A documentary based on the book was broadcast in on Portugal TV uh, to an audience of 2.2 million people. And the, um, the McCanns sued the fuck out of that publishing company. No shit. And out of tomorrow. And um, so throughout the course of this, the McCanns actually started a foundation called the fund for Maddie or something to that effect. Mm -hmm. And so that fund had raised so much money to help like pay for private investigators Mm -hmm. and to pay for the McCann's to live in Portugal until things were solved that um, the foundation agreed to pay for the court costs of the suing for like suing these companies. Um, So they made back so much money that they paid the foundation back all the court costs. Look, I'm all for that. They should have sued the the shit out of them. Oh, Oh, my God. Um, 
So nothing has ever been solidified by way of evidence for Maddie's death. People have been investigating and speculating since 2007. In March of 2019, Netflix released an eight-part documentary called The Disappearance of Madeline McCann. Mm -hmm. And I will be watching that this week. It's excellent. I didn't know it existed, but this Mm -hmm. case is one that's always haunted me. It is. It's just, it's one of those, like you said, you went down a rabbit hole. It's so easy. Uh Uh-huh. And so this week, however, I mentioned earlier, it was announced. In fact... It was announced 24 hours before I started my research, so it's Ooh. it's two days fresh. Mm-hmm. The Portuguese officials are pursuing a new clue and a new suspect after talks Ooh. with the British officers. Mm-hmm. According to, this was from uh, The Sun reported this. Mm-hmm. Um, a Portuguese newspaper claimed that local detectives are now nearer to knowing what happened to Madeline. It comes after a tip-off over a mysterious foreign man, that was in quotes, who was mm-hmm. in the area at the time of Madeline's disappearance. Scotland Yard actually flew out to Portugal to meet with the PJ and to share mm-hmm. information key to the investigation. No further mm-hmm. information has been released, but I really do hope they're able to solve this case, whoever it was. I think so, too. And especially if the parents had nothing to do with it, then they deserve to have all suspicion lifted off of them. Right. They need to be exonerated if they mm-hmm. were not in connection to this case. Yeah. Or they need to be really jailed if they were. Yeah. And also, like, where are their twins? Like, can we have eyes on the twins? Like, <laughs> right. Um. So yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot in that case, and I there cut is. it down to as much as like I cut it down into as bare bones as I could, mm-hmm. and it still felt like I had a lot. I mean, that was six pages there. It's one of those that you could talk about just for hours and hours and never get anywhere. It's mm-hmm. like John Bonet to me. Just, yeah. just those little things like her screaming. They've taken her. They've taken her. Yeah. And so... and the fact that she had a cell phone on her and she still ran back to the restaurant. Those things. Yeah. I, and so there was also, I didn't go into it because it was a lot more technical, but like basically um, the Jerry said he came in and he was like doing his own investigation um, Mm -hmm. before the cops got there. And so he, the window and the shutter was open. And so he shut the shutter from inside and then he went outside and he said that you could only open the shutter from the outside. And he said this multiple times, except that the, a journalist reported on it and the police from all of the companies that were there because like just they were parading police through Mm -hmm. all said it was impossible to open it from outside without it being very loud that Mm -hmm. it had to be opened from inside because there was a pulley system inside. Um, Mm. And so there are just a lot of inconsistencies, and I hope that there is justice for Madeline. Yeah, me too. It's so sad. Ugh. Um, but yeah, imagine my shock whenever I'm like 40 minutes into still trying to find anything on Jocelyn Shaker, and I can't... Hold on, you cut out. Can you start over? Yeah. Imagine... You're 40 minutes... Imagine my irritation when I'm 40 minutes into searching for information about Jocelyn Shaker and nothing (laughs) is coming out. Like all I can see is that uh, like I'm Googling like who is Jocelyn Shaker and I never type questions in my Google. Like I never do Mm -hmm. because I know how Boolean logic works, but I'm typing full questions at this point. Like I look like the Kermit meme, just typing away, (laughs) trying to find something. And finally one uh, one thing I found said that it was like the IMDb trivia said that um, this case 
ran very closely with Madeline McCann, and I was like, "Fuck, that sounds familiar!" Like that makes that... more so much more sense. Oh man! So then it was two thirty a.m. that I was still <laughs> researching, and I was like, Whoops. "I have got to go to sleep." I was, right. I was the uh, Caitlin Shaker drawing on my window with the crazy eyes. By that point. Mm. <laughs> craziness well so it's I, that time again it is did you pair this with a drink no okay i didn't cast it but that's because i knew i had so much to cover i didn't mm-hmm. want to waste any of anyone's time this was a weird one yeah all right so i need you to pick four hold on one two five Five, okay. We have five episodes in July. Five numbers between one and 49. How do I have 49 in these movies? 49. And we've already done 20-something. Yeah, we have. That's so many. Okay, 49. Okay, 48. Okay. 12. Hold on. 12, Okay. 11. Ooh, good one, because we didn't talk about this before, but... And 27. Okay, and then one more. I gave you five. No. Yeah, I said 49. Right, wasn't 49 the highest? Yeah. 49, 48, 12, 11. Oh, I missed 49. Okay. Okay, ready? Yes. We will be watching... I said I was ready, and then I didn't have anything in front of me. In no particular order. Okay. The Night Stalker. Yeah. Fatal Honeymoon. Okay. Obsessed. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Intimate Stranger. Okay. And this one you're going to love, because I know you love these stories. Is it a cult? Baby Snatcher. Ooh! I'm excited. I mean, these are all awful. I don't know why I get excited. Everything is awful. (laughs) People are terrible humans. Um, so do you have a story that should be a Lifetime movie? You know, I was watching this show or this documentary earlier on Amazon. It's called The Bigamous Bride. Okay. And it's this nutbag lady in England who married five different men but never got divorced from any of them. So she was just carrying on like these affairs with these guys, but she ended up going to jail (laughs) because. Right. And she's basically kind of like a con artist and she had some mental illness problems, but it was a whole clusterfuck. And I was like, this would make a great Lifetime movie. Right? (laughs) If I'm writing a Lifetime movie, Mm -hmm. mine is, and I've gone blank on her name. I think you can help me. Belle Gunnison. Is that her name? She, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, with uh, Philanderers Need Not Apply. Triflers Need Not Apply. There it is. That's what I meant. (laughs) Triflers Need Not Apply. Um, So... Long story short, uh, Belle Gunnison was married once and they owned a, 
Was it a candy shop the first time or was it the candy shop the second time? Oh, I don't remember. Anyway, every, everyone in her life died because she killed them and she collected life insurance, became very wealthy, and eventually moved out to a farm where mm-hmm. she um, where she put out an ad for other people <laughs> from wherever she was from. I don't want to. It was a Nordic country, but I don't remember which yeah. one. Uh, to come and court her, but mm-hmm. she just killed them and take their money. Yeah. Finally, someone got like caught on to it and an investigation opened up and they like found bodies in her farm, like in the pig, in the pig farm. And so, um, before they could arrest her, her house burned down Mm -hmm. and they found her teeth and like a burned head and a burned body that were separate, but she was like a six foot two woman, and there's no way that none of the, any of this could be her. Yeah, she faked her own death. Well, mm-hmm. and then much later stories of her resurfaced mm-hmm. as an old lady. Um, yeah. That it's it's pretty much undeniable that it was her. So I mm-hmm. want this Lifetime movie because I know mm-hmm. that like Netflix could do a really good job with it, but I want a really shitty Lifetime version. Yeah, we could even like set it in the present. T- like day yes and so like everybody's like super hot and like and they're texting instead Mm -hmm. of oh it's like a swiping right for all the rich people Uh uh-huh i'm in yes i love that that would be great awesome well then Um, is that it that's it Uh, oh wait follow us on the things donate to our patreon oh yeah i was about to roll into those yeah. yeah, you can find us on Patreon at Lifetime Sentence. No, at patreon.com slash Lifetime Sentence. We're like partway through season two of Big Little Lies. We are having a blast. This season is bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. Even more bananas than last season, which I didn't think could even be possible. Um, And you can find us on Instagram at Lifetime Sentence. On Twitter at Life Sentence Pod. You can shoot us an email at lifetime sentence podcast at gmail.com. And I will personally donate a dollar to my own Patreon if Aaron can tell me our website address. <laughs> is it lifetime sentence pod.com? It is. <laughs> I'll support myself on Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. We covered it all. We did all that. And we're only, a hot mess, y'all. Only an hour and a half recording. That's excellent. I felt like we were going to take forever. I Me did too. speed through my notes and yeah. edit as I went. You're <laughs> all welcome. Um, all right. Well, hey, don't forget to eat your vegetables. Charge your phone. Bye. Bye. This has been Lifetime Sentence, where the truth really is stranger than fiction. Thanks for listening.